Will you please turn with me in your Bibles this morning once again to the Gospel according to Matthew chapter 6 where we will one final time be looking together at verses 9 through 13. That's Matthew 6, 9 through 13 and you can find that passage on page 950 in your pew Bibles. Beloved, it is my hope this morning to conclude this sort of mini-series, if you will, within a series that we have been looking together, uh, uh, looking together at the Lord's Prayer and specifically this morning at the last three petitions of the Lord's Prayer. I mentioned to you a couple of weeks ago, this is kind of a series within a series in that the focus of our message over the last several weeks has been those opening verses of Matthew chapter 6 and what they tell us concerning how it is that you and I are to live our lives quorum Deo or before the face of God in this life. However, within these opening verses here in the sixth chapter of Matthew, we have landed upon what has come in the church to be known as the Lord's Prayer. And so we must pause. We need to stop and look together at this wonderful pattern of prayer given to us here by our Savior Himself, the Lord Jesus Christ. And the reason that I bring it up again is this. I want to remind you that we are, of course, just barely scratching the surface here. Of this prayer. My hope is, as always, that you will spend some more time here on your own, meditating upon this wonderful instruction given to us by Jesus here regarding the way in which we ought to pray. But for now, it's my hope simply to whet your appetite. Whenever I preach the Word of God, I hope to always do certain things. It's always my hope that I would point you to your sin and your your need for forgiveness, your need for a true righteousness, a pure righteousness that is absolutely foreign to yourself and to your own feeble attempts at it. To point out to you your own desperate need to be reconciled to a perfectly holy God. And I always hope that in doing so, that I am then faithful to point you to the Lord Jesus Christ, who alone possesses righteousness in the law, and who imputes that righteousness to us. In other words, I always want to point you to Him who truly is our only hope for salvation. And having done that, it's also my hope to point out to you just some of the glories of the Word of God to encourage you to simply spend your life immersing yourself in the Word of God. Beloved, it's my prayer every week that you will go to the Word of God, not just on the Lord's Day when we gather together, but continually. That you will delve into the depths of His Word, depths that are simply immeasurable by any human standard. Everyone should be a theologian, not just the pastor's. Depths that become so evident to us. 
by even just a cursory glance at this marvelous pattern of prayer revealed to man by God incarnate, the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what we have here. The God-man teaching us how it is that you and I are to pray. And if you have missed the glorious depths of this model prayer in the first three petitions, and of course I hope that you have not, but if you have, then I would like for you to pay very close attention to me this morning. Pay very close attention to the word as we look at these last three. Because, beloved, within these last three simple petitions, we see Jesus Christ illustrating for us that we are to come as children to their Father, looking to a completely sovereign, almighty, all-powerful God to give to us, His children, everything that we could ever possibly need in this life. God is our great provider. He is completely sovereign. There is nothing in this world that somehow remains outside of His sovereign control. Our very existence, our being, is in the hands of our loving Heavenly Father. A Father who so loved His children, according to the Word of God, that He gave His only begotten Son to be the necessary sacrifice. For you and I to be reconciled to him. We have a father in heaven. Who scripture tells us is working all things together for our salvation. A father who provides all that we need for body, mind and soul. Beloved, there's such great comfort. in The wonderful doctrine of God's providence. That runs really throughout this glorious prayer and is especially evident in these last three petitions which are before us this morning. It's by firmly grasping the glorious doctrine of God's providence that we come to understand in the words of our catechism that you and I are to be patient in adversity, thankful in prosperity, and for what is future, Have good confidence in our faithful God and Father that no creature shall separate us from His love. Since all creatures are so in His hand that without His will they cannot so much as move. Jesus points us in the text before us this morning to go to our Father in heaven knowing that He truly is the only fountain of all good. And that it is He alone who gives to us all that we could ever need during our earthly pilgrimage. As He's preparing us for the life that is still yet to come. When we are told that we will behold Him face to face. And in our glorified bodies we will worship at the very foot of His majestic throne in the glory of heaven. Where the effects of sin, the sin that so easily ensnares us on this side of glory, are gone forever. Where every tear is wiped away, and where our worship will be made pure as we in glorified bodies sing the praises of the one whose full glory, this world in its fallenness, could never endure apart from his grace. 
Brothers and sisters in Christ, it is my prayer that you will spend some more time in this text in the weeks to come, delving into the depths of this wonderful prayer and gleaning even just some of its precious riches. So let's go now to the Word of God this morning. I'd like you to follow along as I read once again Matthew 6, picking up with verse 9 and reading through verse 13. And Jesus is speaking. He says, In this manner, therefore pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, again, we're grateful for your word. We're grateful for the ordinary means of grace. The Father, the Father, you give us your word and sacrament that we can gather together as the bride of Christ and we can consider the truth of your word through the preaching of your word. And so I pray that your spirit would fill us. I pray, Father, that I would handle your word in a way that is accurate and true and speaks to the riches and the glory that belong to you and you alone. Clear us of distractions this morning, Father. Allow us to give our attention to your word that we might hear it and through the power of that spirit be transformed by it for your glory and your glory alone. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. As you can see from last week, beloved, there's a bit of a shift here in this prayer. The three previous petitions all had to do, of course, with the glory of Almighty God being clear, being made manifest in this world. We have seen that we must always pause to recognize whose presence it is that we are coming into and why it is that we as sinful human beings could ever dare to come into the presence of a perfectly holy God when we pray let alone come, as as Scripture commands, with boldness or with confidence as we do so. Of course, we know that we are sinners. And we know that our sin is an offense to the perfect holiness of Almighty God. But praise be to God that in and through Jesus Christ, and His taking His blameless life to the cross and bearing our punishment for our sin, we have been reconciled to our Father in heaven. Because of Jesus and his redemptive work, we can now come, we can have intimate communion with our Father in heaven. In fact, he tells us to. So having paused and realized exactly who, what is going on when we pray, we go to God praying that his glory would burst through the darkness of this world. We pray that his name would be hallowed. Hallowed be thy name. We go to God and we ask that his kingdom would come in its brilliant, majestic fullness. Thy kingdom come. And we pray and we long for the day when the effects of sin are removed from this world. 
And his precious will is done immediately here upon the earth, even as it's done in the glory of his presence in heaven. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And now, beloved, as we turn to these last three petitions, we see that they all have to do with us as individuals. And our needs as we live and breathe and have our being here upon the earth. And what scripture calls this veil of tears. As we live out our lives as walking, talking battlefields. With war raging within us as our flesh continually wrestles with the spirit of God within us. Jesus says that we are to go to our Father and having acknowledged our desire for His glory alone to shine forth in this fallen world, we then pray that His glory would then become evident in and through us individually. In and through us as the church. We are to pray, give us this day our daily bread. Right? We are to ask, forgive us our debts even as we forgive our debtors. We are to pray to the Father, asking that He would not lead us into temptation, but that He would deliver us from evil. This morning, I'd like to look at each of those things a little bit more closely. So first, we look at the opening personal petition in this fourth petition of the Lord's Prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. The Heidelberg Catechism expounds upon it in this way in question and answer 125. That is, be pleased to provide for all of our bodily need so that we may acknowledge that thou art the only fountain of all good and that without thy blessing neither our care and labor nor thy gifts can profit us. That we may therefore withdraw our trust from all creatures And place it alone in thee. This is what we do when we go to God, not only asking that he meet all of our physical needs, but trusting him to meet all of our physical needs. Taking him at his word. And asking God to give us our daily bread, our daily sustenance, we are acknowledging first and foremost that it truly is his to give, And it is his to withhold. Do you believe that? So truly we can and beloved we ought to praise him in both feast and famine. The power to thrive in this life does not simply depend upon our having a great work ethic. Or on our having a good strong back or possessing a high level of intelligence. Ultimately, it depends entirely upon God to give to us as his children what is his and only his to give. You understand, everything, all of creation belongs to him. He spoke it into existence with the word of his omnipotent mouth. It's his. And he freely gives it. To those who ask. It's interesting to point out that though this is the first personal petition that Jesus here tells us to bring to our Father, 
it is as well both as well as both subsequent petitions, all of them point again ultimately to what? To the Father being glorified. Do you see that? The motivation behind our being cared for by the Father in heaven is not simply our individual need, but the glory of Almighty God shining through His gracious providence in the lives of His children. Beloved, do you see it? We come to God asking for the physical necessities of our bodies to be upheld by a sovereign, gracious hand so that our very lives will speak to His magnificence, His faithfulness, His glory. He truly is the fountain of all good. Everything we have in this life, we have from Him. And I would say there's still much more for us to consider here. If time allowed this morning, we could spend all of our time on just this one tiny aspect of the fourth petition of this prayer. But we also see here in this fourth petition the very reason for our existence. The great question of why do we exist? It's here. Do you see it? We acknowledge in it that we are alive, that is, we exist We have being both in Him and for Him. Do you understand? You exist for God. You are sustained in this life only by His gracious hand. And all of it will, in fact, lead to His ultimate glory. And the other two petitions then flow out of this one. We are alive because of God and his providential care, and we will only remain alive because he so chooses to keep us alive for his own purpose, his own glory. And so we go to him, asking him for what we need daily, physically, spiritually. We say, in effect, our Father in heaven, we belong to you. We are yours. We are your children. Feed us with what is necessary for us to continue to exist for your glory. Remove from us any vanity that would vault itself up against your most high majesty, thinking that somehow we are responsible for our continued existence. Brothers and sisters, it's so opposite of of the search for being that the world undertakes as it seeks not the glory of God, but the glory of the individual, the glory of self. It should be such a comfort for us to realize this about our existence. You understand... You will not live or die one second sooner or later than Almighty God has given you to live or to die. Do you believe that? That God is a God of providence? That He's so sovereign that you simply cannot frustrate the perfect will of your Father in heaven? You are to acknowledge your dependence upon him and then look to him in faith, trusting 
that he will remain faithful to do all that he has revealed to us in his word. The promises of God never fail. We see it throughout Israel's troubled existence. Beloved, we see it even in the person and work of Jesus Christ. God always remembers his promise and he sees to it to bring about everything that he has promised to do. We just read about it this morning from Esther. The Jewish people were going to be annihilated, wiped out from the face of the earth, but God remained faithful to save his remnant. He planted Esther there in order to redeem his people. And he certainly has promised in his word to sustain us. And so we come as his children asking for our necessities that he has promised to give to us. You understand, it's not guesswork. We do not come wishing and call that wishing hope. Crossing our fingers, closing our eyes, just wishing that maybe, just maybe God will sustain us. That's not the biblical picture. He will sustain us according to his perfect will. So we are to come trusting, resting, and expecting that he will give everything that's needed because he's promised in his word that he would. Prayer to our Father in heaven is never wishing. Prayer is a relationship between father and child, and when it's exercised, it keeps us in close, intimate contact with our father. It keeps us trusting entirely in him and in him alone for all that we need, and he desires that we come. In fact, beloved, he commands it. And so I'm asking you this morning, do you come regularly to your father in heaven Seeking everything that's necessary in this life to live. Do you acknowledge that it is all his to give and his to withhold as he sees fit? Knowing that he will bring about his perfect will and ultimately that he will be glorified. You know, I know some of you farm. And I can't help but to think that you see this worked out in your day-to-day dependence upon God with your crops. Though we all see the advances in technology, we see the advances in implements and machinery, we see all of the advances in herbicides and fertilizers and all of the other chemicals, Almighty God could take the sun from the sky because it belongs to Him. And you would not be able to produce so much as a weed without him and his sovereignty, his sovereign will. So we come and we acknowledge who we are and we acknowledge who he is. We come not wishing for our own will, but steadfastly hoping in his. Do you understand? Do you come? Will you come? Beloved, I'd love to spend more time here. However, we need to move on. I hope that you can spend some more time on this section of this prayer in the days to come. Secondly, we see here in the next petition that we are to ask for all that we need, not just physically, but spiritually as well. We are to ask for our physical bodies 
to be sustained and we can only ask it, ask it, expecting it, if we have already been spiritually sustained. And so we say, forgive us our debts, even as we forgive our debtors. And historically, of course, there's been a lot of confusion with this petition. And I want to be crystal clear with you this morning, beloved. Jesus is not here asking that we set the example for God. I've heard it explained that way. We are certainly not ever showing the creator and the sustainer of the universe how we have merited his forgiveness through our own gracious forgiveness of others. That's not the picture. It is by grace that we have been saved through faith, not that of ourselves. It is the gift of God. We are totally, utterly, completely reliant upon God for our salvation and for the forgiveness of our sins, which we know are an affront against his perfect and brilliant holiness. And in this petition, we are asking for that forgiveness. We are claiming what is ours in Jesus Christ, who was given to us by the Father to be a propitiation for sin. The only way of forgiveness for man before Christ after Christ and forever is in and through the person and work of Jesus Christ, crucified, risen, and ascended. It is this forgiveness that is needed by all men, and it's given to some. And it's not a universal forgiveness that covers the sin of the entire world. It is a forgiveness that the children of the Father in heaven are commanded to come and to receive in and through the person and work of Jesus Christ. By faith. It's the most wonderful gift that the children of God receive. In Jesus Christ, we have all that we need, not just for life, but for eternal life. We have the full pardon of sin, and we are promised eternal life in the glory of heaven where we are told we will worship the Lamb upon His throne. We will be there. We have forgiveness of sins, and because of Jesus covering us with his perfect righteousness, it is now as if we have never sinned. Do you understand? Beloved, when you come to your heavenly Father seeking forgiveness for the sin that has separated you from him, from communion with him, sin that left Adam and Eve in the garden shamefully, painfully aware of their own nakedness in God's holy presence, When you come as his child through Jesus Christ, he gives to you all that you will ever need to own that forgiveness. Do you believe that this morning? He not only provides the means or the sacrifice, but he gives you the very spirit of God himself to open up your eyes and allow for you, a sinner, to embrace Jesus Christ and his perfect work His perfect righteousness as you're covering by placing faith that he mercifully gives to you in him and him alone. Beloved, it's the gospel. And I hope that your heart leaps within your chest as you consider that in Jesus Christ you have been truly reconciled to your Father. Your Father who has promised to sustain you, not just physically, but spiritually, not just temporarily, but eternally. 
we are acknowledging that just as we must depend upon God to live and to thrive physically, so we must depend upon him to live and to thrive spiritually. He meets that most desperate need of all of his sinful children, sinners just like you, just like me. And he meets it in the person and work of Jesus Christ our Lord. Beloved, do you believe that? Do you live like someone who believes that? It's the glorious gospel. And it's far more valuable, far more necessary for all of life than even the food that you eat. We do not truly live in this life until our eyes have been opened to the reconciliation and the redemption that Jesus Christ has purchased for us his his glorious bride with his own precious blood. But there's something else that I think we need to see here. There is for us here that characteristic that must be present, must be manifest in the true child of God. Do you see it? Beloved, we look to the grace of God asking for mercy, pleading for forgiveness, not on account of our own merits, which Scripture tells us are as filthy rags, but upon the merits of Jesus Christ. And the one who truly grasps what he has been forgiven, the one who has truly been shown mercy, must by necessity, by the fruit of the gospel, be one who extends that mercy to others. You understand the gospel affects you, changes you. You are recreated in the Lord Jesus Christ. The gospel always produces fruit for the glory of God because it can do no other. You understand the weight of this? Jesus illustrates it beautifully in his parable about forgiveness in Matthew chapter 18. You know that story, right? The servant owes his master an insurmountable debt. 10,000 talents. Most modern scholars, I read this in a book that was at least 10 years old, so when I say modern, my numbers are off even now, but most modern scholars place an estimate on on this in modern currency to be something like $10 million. $10 million 10 years ago. The average worker in those days made something close to the equivalent of 18 cents per day. Right? So you've got the formula. And you do not have to be a complete mathlete to know that $10 million paid back on 18 cents a day, no matter how principled you are about paying it off, is simply insurmountable. There are not enough days to pay that back that kind of debt. It, apart from being graciously wiped off the books, is an impossible debt for you to ever overcome, even in an entire lifetime. But the master in that parable who is owed the debt is so moved with compassion for his servant that he graciously forgives his debt as if it had never existed. You know the story, right? The heart of the servant proved to be desperately wicked and not at all, even in the least bit touched by the mercy of his master. And so, 
receiving this forgiveness of his debt, he then goes out and he finds some poor guy that owes him the poultry debt of about 18 bucks. A debt that if allowed just a little bit of time could have easily been paid in full. And he refuses to forgive that man that debt. He has him thrown into prison until the debt is paid. And the master sees the actions of the servant and he says to him, you wicked servant. I had compassion on you because you begged me. Should you not then have had compassion on this man? And he had the ungrateful servant bound up and thrown into prison. And Jesus said, so my heavenly father will also do to you if each of you will do to each of you who from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Beloved, I hope you can see where this goes. The servant's heart was unmasked by his inability to reciprocate forgiveness to his brother. Now I'm going to pry a little bit. If you forgive, if you refuse to forgive anyone their wrongs against you, if you've justified your bitterness and your hatred towards your brother, then I want to be clear what I'm saying this morning. You have very, very good reason to question whether or not you truly know or have ever truly known the grace and the mercy that you have been shown in the Lord Jesus Christ. You understand why I say that? Can you just not let go of your dislike for those who fail to meet your expectations? Can you just not let go of the petty wrong that has caused you to justify even outright hatred of your brother or sister in Christ? Then you are the one I'm talking to. I want you to listen to me this morning. The offenses that you and I commit against the holy God in our sin is the debt of $10 million paid back on 18 cents a day. It is impossible to repay that debt. And unless it is mercifully, graciously wiped clean from the books, we will certainly die in it. The offenses that we commit against one another absolutely pale in comparison to the debt that you and I owe to God. Our offenses against each other are like the 18 bucks when held up in the proper perspective. Do you understand what the word of God is saying? There is no justifiable grudge for the true child of God who is only so by the grace of God because he knows the depths to which he has been forgiven. You understand? So we pray not only for the forgiveness of our own heinous crimes against the most high majesty of God, but we ask that the effects of being the recipients of mercy would become evident, would be made manifest in our own lives for the glory of God's name. Have you really, truly known the grace and the mercy of your Father in heaven? 
Has it affected you? Has it changed your mind about what you can cling to? Finally, this morning, we see that Jesus asks us to ask that we be not led into temptation, but delivered, delivered from evil. And listen to the words in the, in, of question and answer 127 of the Heidelberg Catechism, which explains this petition beautifully as follows. That is, since we are so weak in ourselves that we cannot stand a moment, and besides our deadly enemies, the devil, the world, and our own flesh, assail us without ceasing, be pleased to preserve and strengthen us by the power of thy Holy Spirit, that we may make firm stand against them and not be overcome in this spiritual warfare until finally complete victory is ours. In this petition, we acknowledge the weakness of our own flesh and our own inability to ever stand for a moment in our own strength. We pray that Almighty God would protect us from evil, not just the evil outside of us, not just the devil, not just the world, but the evil that flows from our own hearts. You understand, beloved, we need protection from ourselves as well. And that protection can only come from the hand of Almighty God. And so as we bring things to a close this morning, we see in these last three personal petitions that we are told to ask our Heavenly Father by the Son Himself for all that we could ever need, to live in the here and now forever and eternity, to live for Him by faith. We see in these petitions all that we are to rely upon our Heavenly Father for, for all of life. And we see that He freely gives everything that is necessary for life to His children because it is all His to give. We come to God for the life-sustaining food that is necessary for us to live and have our being in order that we may live for His glory. We come to our Father seeking the forgiveness of sins that only exists in the perfect person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ who has purchased us with his blood and reconciled us to the Father that we might have sweet communion with him and that the fruit of that reconciled relationship with our Father in heaven might be made clearly manifest in our own lives speaking again to the majesty and the glory of his name. Finally, we see the protection of that relationship can only be given by God, our Father, who even holds us back from the sin that so easily ensnares us as he motivates us through gratitude for our undeserved salvation towards obedience once again for his glory. Beloved, I said at the beginning of this sermon that we have here wrapped up in this prayer the very reason for our existence. And I hope the answer is clear as you look at what Jesus Christ said we need in this life And where it is that we are to go to have those needs so graciously met. Because beloved, when you realize this truth, you understand that the pressure is off the child of God in this life. Whatever your circumstance, no matter how hopeless you feel right now in your life, no matter the size of the, the dark storm cloud that seems to follow you and just choke out the light, no matter how big your bag of anxieties and fears and troubles are this morning, 
Jesus Christ tells you to come to the Father and to lay your burden down for good. And to look to your Father for everything in this life, knowing and trusting that He will give it to you. That He will give you all that you could ever need because if you are His this morning, you understand He has promised it. And as God, He cannot break that promise. He can't fail. He won't fail. He bids you to come to lay down your cares and your burdens and understand why it is by His grace that you exist. You exist to bring glory to Him. And beloved, know this as I close this morning. He will be glorified. Will you cast aside your fears? your anxieties? Will you let go of your petty grudges, your annoyances, and give glory to your Father in heaven who meets all of your needs to his own magnificent glory? Because after all, he truly is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen? Let's pray.